Good morning, comrades. You're listening to Workers' Power with Hannah, Jax and, and Bill on 4ZZZ 102.1. Uh, you just listened to The Mark of Cain by Lockdown. Uh, thank you to Andrew and Artcart for another entertaining and insightful show. Today on the show, we have plenty of workers' action. Uh, we'll be talking to Bill about what's happening on the union scene. And, of course, we'll have the world-famous scallywag of the week. Uh, but before we can do any of that, we like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggle, struggles for recognition, reparations and land rights. All right, we might jump into some First Nation workers' action. Yeah, so last week we reported on how the Black Lives Matter rally in Sydney was um, deemed unauthorised by the Supreme Court after after um, an attack after the police waged their legal battle against it. Uh, so now we've got an update from that. Last Tuesday, right after our show. The Black Lives Matter rally in Sydney calling for the officers responsible for the death of David Dungay Jr. to be charged was quickly repressed by the New South Wales Police Force. Police pulled out all stops, arriving in the CBD en masse with dogs, horse floats and riot squad cars, outnumbering the protesters three to one. They arrested six people, including Paddy Gibson, one of the organisers, who were given $1,000 fines. No one was charged. A press release from the Justice for David Dungay campaign reads, The Justice for David Dungay campaign condemns the New South Wales police for shutting down the I Can't Breathe Black Lives Matter rally on Tuesday the 28th of July. The police response consisted of targeted political arrests of protest organisers, fining two members of the COVID safety medic team, detaining and fining many other attendees and corralling them to make physical distancing impossible. Police were even chasing protesters across city blocks and through shopping malls. These actions are disgraceful, heavy-handed and have undermined public health and safety. The actions taken by the New South Wales Police today were a highly political racist attack on the Dungay family's quest for justice for David Dungay Jr. and are a chilling attack on democracy and freedom of expression. These actions by the police have increased the risk of a devastating COVID-19 outbreak through the active creation of an unsafe situation where physical distancing was impossible and which undermined the credible safety plan of the protest organisers. The stated concerns of a health risk from peaceful protest are farcical while there are significant double standards in the application of the emergency restrictions under the Public Health Act. Shopping centres and markets are open each day of the week and each, every weekend sees, sees crowds of people within shopping centres failing to practice physical distancing and with scant attempt to uphold public safety provisions. In the Victorian COVID-19 outbreak, workplaces have been a major source of new infections of COVID-19 and cases have been publicly reported of companies forcing at-risk employees to commute to work and to work in conditions with unsafe physical distancing or hygiene measures. We support efforts taken by workers with their unions, such as what which, 
such as that which happened with meat workers at JBS Melbourne with the support of United Workers Union earlier today, which was last week, to shut down their workplaces. If their employers cannot guarantee adequate public health and safety measures. It isn't possible for the New South Wales Police to present themselves as a credible protector of public health and safety while it maintains these double standards in its enforcement of safety regulations. If the public sphere and democratic rights must be shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic, then so must the market. Continuing commercial activity has proven itself to be incompatible with public health and safety. There are no credible grounds to curtail democratic rights and freedom of expression in the name of defending public health. Fighting racism, especially when it is so indoctrinated into our state systems, is crucial to do at all times, under all circumstances. It's no surprise that $1,000 COVID fines, which in no way actually stop the spread of COVID-19, have largely been handed out across Canterbury, Bankstown, Liverpool and Fairfield, all areas known for having large immigrant, refugee and people of colour communities. It is essential that First Nations justice, justice for black lives and all people who continue to be attacked by racism, be a core priority for us all considering the police force's continued attacks on these communities. The Liberal government has the power to make change but has made squashing of any opposition to them as more of a priority than dealing with the pandemic of state enforced violence. The Liberal government has continued to ignore the several Black Lives Matter demonstrations across Australia that saw several hundreds of thousands of people calling for the abolition of racism and the racist police. To them, we say, you do something about racism, provide justice to all families who have lost a life to police violence and deaths in custody, and only then will we stop protesting. Right on. Good good piece. Yeah, yeah. A lot, lot, lot in that there. We're, well done, team. That's, I should uh, mention that it was quite long, so I've actually taken out a fair few chunks. So if you want to see the whole thing, you can go to the Justice for David Dungate Jr. Facebook page. Yeah, they've been very, very good, very active, uh, raising money and the like. Uh, what I wanted to talk about here, and um, uh, just from personal experience, really, and uh, you know, that's what we can draw on. And it's uh, the last uh, Sunday afternoon rally at Kangaroo Point there. Um, they got approval to to shut down Main Street, and and uh, we were all there. But then what happened was, the um the the, the coppers, they through uh, technicalities, they um, the, what they did is, oh, you've only got this side of the road, so we only had the the, the say what did it be the western side of the road. We weren't allowed on the eastern side of the road, right? So what that created was less space and that's that's why the the um you know the protesters out there went for the approval so that they've got that space to spread out not due to a technicality the coppers said no nah, you're on that side of the road um the people look look mind you the people there did extraordinary and uh, um you know keeping distance and looking after each other you know plenty whenever i've been down there i'm sure that's your experience too comrades you're always uh, getting asked if you want a face mask or a, or hand sanitizer. It's, it's everyone looking after each other, and you know, and the, the, these uh, mongrels come in and ruin it for everyone. 
Yeah, I had the same experience down there a while ago. Um, every, people were on the road trying to self, you know, from distance from each other and the police came and said they had to get off the road, open the road up for traffic, but then the police ended up blocking the road themselves and everyone was squished together and, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so um, like, like the last uh, thing says... Once uh, you know all these um, violence and death in custody and, and and the like, then we'll start protesting. It's pretty easy to fix it, isn't it? Eh? Yeah, we don't <laughs> go out and just do it for the fun of it. <laughs> right. Well, uh, we got uh, you got another First Nations story for us, Jackson. Yeah, this one's pretty exciting. So the First People's Assembly of Victoria has met with the state government for the first time to begin negotiations on the process for treaty making in Victoria. Assembly co-chair Marcus Stewart said while the discussions did not include formal negotiation of treaty framework, it is important to be on the same page when it comes to processes before making before treaty making begins. Government has a government have a history of not holding their and their end of the bargain up when it comes to negotiating with our people so we see it as critical getting these processes in place and getting them right the nira ilam bullock man of the taungarung nation told nitv news today we discussed a code of conduct out to how parties work towards how we go forward with negotiations and we discuss timelines this meeting, which was held over video conference on Monday, comes after seven months of meetings and consultations with Victorian people. Mr. Stewart said it had been a historic day for us to meet today, for parties, for both parties to come together. It's historic, it's significant, and it's a critical moment in time, he said. Assembly co-chair Auntie Geraldine Atkinson agreed that the meeting had been historic for the Bangarang and Wiradjuri woman. Monday's discussion were the culmination of the past seven months consultations and the groundwork done before the existence of the assembly. It got us to the point that all of the work that we've been doing, not just the work that the First People's Assembly has been doing, but the work that our elders have been fighting for and advocating for, and what our elders' ancestors would have wanted, that we can sit down with the state to discuss and discuss a treaty process. Chair of the Assembly's Treaty Authority Committee, Nagara Murray, agreed, saying there has there's been a lot of work done in the lead-up to this point, but the Wamba Wamba, Yorta Yorta, Jojo Warung and the Doro woman said it is also important to follow each step in the process. We've done a lot of groundwork, unpacking processes and structures, decolonizing ways of doing business, so I believe that we've come up with some strong principles and positions in this process. Miss Murray said she's proud of what has already been achieved but also knows that there is a long road ahead. There's lots of work to be done and as everyone is aware we are in a health crisis here in Victoria with COVID-19 but I'm really proud of my colleagues on the assembly and the way that we've progressed and the way that we've worked she said. Today I'm feeling positive. I think that as we progress towards treaties for our people, it is critical that we have respectful and authentic relationships with government. This will be key in our discussion and also exercising our human rights. I think it's a positive start and 
as we progress treaties, there will be complexities from time to time. But as long as we were respectful and we're showing good faith and we're being open and honest in our dialogue with the government, we'll be able to resolve challenges as we go along. For Miss Atkinson, she said, what keeps her going in this process is knowing the difference the work that is being done now will make to future generations. Why we're doing this work, it's the work that our elders and ancestors have progressed, she said. We want to put it in our place in place so that our children's children will reap the benefit from a treaty process. Right on. Good good on you, Ms. Atkinson. You know, it's always you know, you need uh, you need a few people to stand up for what's right and uh, yeah. Yeah, and like, while the ideal situation is the dismantling of the state and full and well. full restoration of sovereignty to Aboriginal people, this is definitely a good step for repairing the injustice that was the colonisation of Australia. Yeah, they're working with what, what they've got, so that's great. That's right. Well, uh, we're we're big proponents of working with what we got. You know, of course we're. Of course, we're anti-capitalists. We're all for that revolution. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, did you say the R word? Yeah, we're all for that. You know, there's got to be, there, there has to be a better world than the one we live in now, you know. It's like, a, you know, it, it, there's too many people that, oh, I'm all right, Jack, let's keep things going the way they are. Yeah, no. but a lot of people aren't all right, so that's, that's why exactly we have to stand right. up together. That's exactly right. We're going to jump into some agitate, educate and organise. Yeah, um, I just wanted to uh, talk about a couple of things. Um, um, uh, the first one, um, I, we were trying, I was trying to work with the United Workers Union to uh, get a guest from uh, someone from down the Wyong, uh, Woolworths DC. It's, it's very, very hectic down there at the moment, so uh, it didn't didn't come to fruition. But I will will try even harder again next week to to see if I can get something. But I wanted to. Um, we didn't have anything written up as a story, so I thought I'd slip it in here. Um, so and and th- this is a form of an update. We did talk about it a little bit in last week's show. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but it was just at the stage where. They'd been locked out, you know, so... Uh, yeah. Um, now, now t- uh, yesterday, the workers from... Now, we can hear some of our CFMEU comrades in the background yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> Quiet, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, well, they've got to get their work done, so uh, hopefully it's not um, interfering too much with your signal at home. Um, today, the workers... Oh, yesterday, the workers from Wyong, Woolworths, D.C., a strike convened from Wyong to to the Woolies HQ in Sydney to show the company that they aren't giving up. Giving up. Workers have been locked out just for fighting for equal wages and secure work. Some workers at Woolworths have been waiting six years to be made permanent. And then they're uh, they're they're doing a. Um, Go and check out United Workers Union's uh, Facebook page where they've got a uh, um, a link to send an email to Brad Banducci, um, uh, yeah, saying that it's not good enough. So, uh, yeah, yeah, get in there and check that out. And as I said, I will work or we will work very hard to uh, uh, get a guest uh, um, talking about that and get us an update because if they're still locked out by next week... That's a long time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's our number one show, number one mm. uh, priority is reporting that because uh, they, they because of the bosses, lockout means that they're not earning any any money. 
Um, so, so not good at all. Um, yeah, we we will keep a, 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 a on top of that um, on top of that story as things transpire. Now, I, the only heading I've got here, and, and I thought it'd be good for us to have a little bit of a chat about the Melbourne lockdown and. Oh, it's, mm, yeah, they went into stage four lockdown. Stage I think. four. Was it Sunday afternoon or yesterday? Yeah, yes, yeah, one of the two. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now w- what's going on is, uh, well, say from my sector, the the, the, the biggest uh, impacts will be uh, the workers uh, at places like JB Hi-Fi, um, uh, Office Works, Bunnings, and and the like, uh, because they're going to be closed now. So. Yeah. And, well, Bunnings um, are staying open, I'm pretty sure, but it's just for tradies. Tradies. And, and also some of these businesses are all set up as click and collect. So, you know, no browsing, which, you know, that, that you know, probably makes a bit of, fair bit of sense. And they should have probably done that from the beginning, you know. So um, if, you, if, you, if it's an essential item... You shouldn't have to go in and shop for two hours to go get it, you know. Like, no. you know, you, you go online if it's, it's an essential item. You, you know, you, you know, and I'm sure I'm sure companies like you know JB Bunnings and they'll have call centres that you can call and get get assistance. I'm sure they want your money at the end oh, of yeah. the day. You know, <laughs> you know? so. Uh, yeah, I, look, look uh, to any of our comrades uh, down in Melbourne, we do have some who listen up and, and listen back to our show. Um, solidarity, we're thinking of you. And, uh, um, yeah, it's um, our, our role as workers to get in behind those that, uh, um, yeah, they're going to be locked out of, of pay. Basically, yeah, locked a lot, out of the lot work. Of workers are going to be affected. So, Raph, we were calling on 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 these companies, you know, especially Bunnings. Come on, Bunnings make an absolute fortune. You know, they can keep keep they can afford to keep paying all their permanent staff the whole way through. There's no doubt about that. They can you know? afford to, but that doesn't mean they. Yeah, will. that's right. <laughs> oh, look, well, the shareholders can't afford it. Because they want their dividend at the end of the year, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Grubs. You know, so uh, the the government's, you know, like uh, for all the criticism that, that, that he's got, Dan Andrews is uh, he's trying, uh, you know, we've got a couple of Labor, you know, up here. Um, and Anastasia's done a not too bad job as all well. the, the, They seem to do all, a little bit better in crisis Labor governments. Maybe, maybe that could be another uh, topic heading. <laughs> Labor? The Labor Party and the crisis. <laughs> yeah, well, how they win power, you know. So, but uh, so there are, of course, plenty of criticisms to be laid against them, such as like the keeping open of the border just for economic purposes, which put us all at risk. Oh, we no. were so close to getting rid of the virus in Queensland too. That's right, and I'm, I'm, I heard something. I think it was on Q and A. I was, I was flicking. I don't normally watch it. I was just flicking around the around the grounds and. Uh, I heard uh, someone mention that the the t- uh, so it was last night it was on today in Sydney there's 17 planes arriving from Melbourne. Oh my goodness <laughs> me! <laughs> is that is that a lockdown? Okay. Is it you know? <laughs> is that crazy? How does that work? Yeah, that's right. So it's another one. And me being a cynical, you know, I'm yelling at the telly. Hey, hey, come and look at this. You know, it's like. I'm being very, very cynical about it and saying, well, if you're rich, there's no lockdown. If you can afford to fly, 
You know? are, they fly, are there any planes flying into like Queensland and other states or is it just um, Sydney that you heard about? Yeah, it's just Sydney that I heard about, so I can't, you know, mm. really. I'm sure there would be, oh, you know, like, and we're hearing them. And, and the other one is I think that... Uh, so we we had the three new cases, the the, the but there's been four, from that there's been four designated cases. The two young girls, the sister, uh, the, yeah, the, the sister, and then and then there was a couple. So there's actually been five from. The, oh, did the, the okay? I heard the um, the husband was diagnosed, and his partner works in aged care. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. that's the Bellbird Park man and the Pinjara Hills aged care worker and okay. uh, yeah they but uh they both uh, uh tested positive luckily n- everyone at the Pinjara aged care facility was tested thankfully no, okay. none of them you know that, that that that's that's our most vulnerable part of the community so yes um you know we we've all got to do our bit and um you, you know we feel for our uh, Melbourne comrades and just wanted to uh Give a, give a bit of a shout-out to them down there and, uh, yeah, solidarity. Yeah, we haven't forgotten about you. No, not at all. Right, well, we're gonna, we've got a couple of stories that, that, that are, uh, well, they're not the same, but, but they're, workers have used the, the similar method uh, through the health and safety representatives. And then, and then after that, we'll, we'll, we'll um, talk a little bit about the health and safety representatives. But uh, this first one um, um, was uh, was written by. Uh, it was, we've take, lifted it from the age, and the reason that, that we've lifted it from there is is because it was written by Ben Schneiders. Now Ben Ben is a is a comrade. I you know I call him a comrade because he's the one who's been. Um, exposing the uh, penalty rate rorts uh, at the beginning of RAFU. So he's worked uh, and he actually won a Wakely Award uh, for one of his stories uh, writing about the, uh, um, uh, let's say RAFU, <laughs> let's say <laughs> RAFU, but uh, writing, writing about how uh, retail and fast food workers are, are getting ripped off. I think he might have even had something to do with the 7-Eleven story way, way back then. So I just thought I'd you know, want to mention... Uh, that, uh, Jackson, can you, are you yeah. good to go? Hundreds of workers at a Woolworths liquor distribution centre in Melbourne's west walked off the job after a worker tested positive to COVID-19. Work stopped on Monday morning after a cease work notice was issued at the giant Laverton North distribution centre, which supplies alcohol to Dan Murphy's and other Woolworths chains. Late on Monday, the cease work was lifted after talks between the company and the union and after the appointment of a hygienist to verify the cleaning of the site had met standards. United Workers Union official Matt Toner earlier said that they had to take action. We have seen this a dozen times already. Each time the company tries to downplay the virus and keep operating their... Um, and keep operating. There's 50 or 60 COVID cases. Um, the best plan Woolies can make is to go hard now and send all workers home with pay so that they can be tested and do a proper deep clean. Mr. Toner said Victorians are facing harsh restrictions and Woolworths needs to respect the sacrifice we are all making and treat this outbreak with the seriousness it deserves. Mr. Toner said the 
Uwu had given Woolworths a list of demands on Saturday, including a 72-hour deep clean and that all current and soon-to-start workers and contractors be tested for the virus. They also want an epidemiologist engaged to provide advice on the management of the disease. The union said the workers met on Monday morning and walked off the job after deciding Woolworths had not done enough. Yeah. Nelly got uh, um, scallywag again there, Brad Benucci. He's been mentioned a couple of times in these... uh, uh, in these stories, there's, there's a couple of worse things get happening on at the moment. So, uh, yeah, what a scallywag. Even though he's not the scallywag of the week, he's still, still, still a, scall- a scallywag. Well, he's won, <laughs> he's won the award before, you know. So. Yeah, I keep popping up. Listen, I, I think that uh, before we're going to move it, our next HSR story is... Um, it's about the JBS uh, um, um, abattoirs down in uh, Victoria. Jackson, you good yes. to take us through it? Victoria's biggest abattoir, JBS Brooklyn, shut again last week after cold store workers at the site walked off the job over coronavirus concerns. The United Workers Union, which covers 150 cold storage staff, said the action was in line with the Victorian Occupational Health and Safety Act. The Uwu is one of two unions representing workers at the site, but the action means the plant has again had to close. It comes after 71 positive cases connected to the JBS outbreak and 15 days after the abattoir was ordered to close by the Department of Health and Human Services. United Workers Union Victorian Branch Secretary Susie Ellison said that the company had not responded to many of the workers' concerns about the safety of the site. United uh, Susie, oh, Susie Ellison also said that during that time the company had not responded to many of the workers' concerns about the safety of the site. JBS has consistently failed their workforce by not communicating with their workers and by not consulting with their representatives. Uh, These workers have been battling through this crisis with almost no support. They don't want to have gone through all that work, to go through all that only to walk back onto the floor and catch the virus. Ms. Allison said workers across the country were getting wise to the way companies thought profit was more important than people. Workers had reported that social distancing measures were inadequate, with afternoon and day shift crossing paths in a confined space with no social distancing, balaclavas were being shared between workers and management had not taken concerns raised with it seriously. Workers have been forced to isolate over the last two weeks, some forced to draw upon their leave annual entitlements, while others were left without any income at all. Like many workers, the company started subtracting the workers' annual leave without their consent. the work the union has been calling on JBS to provide additional paid leave for the workforce. Workers felt the extra paid leave would be a fair compensation after they contracted the virus at work and through no fault of their own. So yes, um, yeah, that's the type of uh, results that you can you can get when you've got a a, a, a workers representative. That's what that's what the HSR is and. Uh, 
Yeah, so um, I, look, look. Uh, the reason that uh, unfortunately we couldn't get United Workers Union on, but uh, I noticed that these HSR things are coming up, and uh, I've been living and breathing this for the last three months. I'll tell you, comrades. So I thought, oh well, may, maybe maybe the workers uh, comrades, uh, workers powers comrade can interview me. <laughs> so off you go. Uh, so how do workers go about getting a HSR for their workplace, comrade? Right. Well, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's the start of it. And, and part of the problem is actually knowing that you're entitled to a HSR. A lot of, a lot of people in uh, retail especially, and fast food for that matter, don't know that they're actually entitled to this um, uh, 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 health and self, uh, health and safety representative um, that is elected by the people who work in there, right? So um, and then to, to, to go about getting it, what, 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 what you've got to do and, you know, you can see the amount of work here and if you haven't got your union behind you, it's a, it's a fair bit of stuff. So what you've got to do is you start out, you've got to let your boss know that uh, you want to have a, 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 a worker's representative as a health and safety representative, right? And then, and then you go into negotiations with, with the uh, bosses uh, um, in regards to how many working groups that you have. Now, now working groups could be defined... Um, uh, we'll use the retail example, right? So work, work, uh, uh, groups could be defi- uh, defined by... By either by time, so you got a you know shift works. You know you got AM, PM, night shift. You could also organise it in department. So you've got a working group that works in. So so you've got your deli and your meat departments, right? Who are working with knives and and slicing. That could be a working group. And then you've got your your night fill people. That would be a working group. You have got your service people. That would be a working group. And so each one of those groups, um, you know, if it's done like that, could, uh, could be a, um, a, a... You could have a health and safety representative. Um, now, I can announce that uh, we... I've been working on uh, coals too long. Now, I can announce that uh, we have successfully negotiated to have, uh, you know, um, two working groups... Open and close. So that was just the uh, negotiations that we did, and, and what what our, our our members felt was was best for these times and things like that. So um, that would be, you know, I would hazard to guess that 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 that, that once that election process happens, that will be the first uh, health and safety representative in in uh, retail in Queensland. Oh, wow! Since oh. Two, well over two thousand and eleven, when the act was introduced. Oh, awesome work. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the, after the negotiation process of the working groups, what then happens is you have an election process and everyone in the workplace, not just union members, you know, I, I should add, it's, it's, it's everyone in the workplace, you know, so they've all got to vote. And then, then you've got a, a, an elected health and safety representative and then what happens is the boss has to pay for them to go and do a week's worth of training. Right, they do five. It's a five-day course, and once they've done that course, they they 
know what they can, what they can't do, how they're supposed to do it, um, and, and uh, yeah, so that they, that they know what they're doing. And uh, once you've completed the training, you can um, uh, um, issue uh, things that are... And it was kind of touched on in here, and this is what the, these uh, workers at uh, JBS and... Uh, the Woolies, was it Woolies DC, wasn't it? Yeah, what they've done is their HSR said, right, here's a notice. We, we don't think we should be, we, we don't think that you can guarantee our safety from COVID. We're, we're, we're going home. See you later. Here's the notice, right? And there's a dispute in place. And so what happens is if, they, if the boss doesn't agree, well, oh, look, it's, normally the boss will be, oh, yeah, it's fine, you know. Get back to work, you lazy bludgers, right? That's what they'll be saying. No, 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 we're in dispute mode now. So, and there, there, there's, um, within the act, there's all what guidelines that you should follow and um, and, and, and the like. But uh, so basically what happens in both these cases, and I'll use the Woolies one uh, a bit more, what has to happen is uh, WorkSafe come in and they act as the adjudicator. When the, when the two parties can't agree, they act on the adjudicator. The, the, the adjudicator um, set, sets things in place. Um, as you can imagine, uh, it varies from state to state. There's just slight little variations. Um, I'm, I, I feel that, and we haven't tested it yet, but I, I, I feel that uh, the Queensland ones are, are amongst the, the most robust of all the country. There's a couple of little wordings in the Victorian ones that kind of, uh, one of them uh, is there's a, there's a sentence in there when it comes to um, health and safety representatives be available, but that they can be available by email. Mm. But if you're not working... You're not working. You know, why, why should a health and safety representative who's not working be having to, to do email claims? But anyhow, that's in the Victorian legislation. It's not in the Queensland stuff. So there's slight little differences and, and the like. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, what, I, what I've been working on. And, and then, you know, so what, once they do their training, they've got... Um, uh, everything in, in, in place uh, um, for, uh, yeah, everything in place to get a HSR in. Um, it doesn't sound like the bosses would be a really big fan of HSRs. Uh, what do workers have to look out for when trying to get a HSR? Well, there's lots, you know. Uh, there's lots in there and they, there's been sneaky little tactics like uh, when you finish the, the working group negotiations, right, what they do then is they'll they'll they will um, try and call a, a team meeting of all the workers when the union members aren't, aren't rostered on, and then they are trying to, to classic d- tactic. Classic, classic. <laughs> you know, and then there's there's other things that that, that that they'll get one of their bootlickers to 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 run, or they'll run themselves. Everyone bar the store manager, I'm pretty sure. You know the. Um, so you can have, uh, so say in the retail setting, you can have, you know, your deli supervisor or your, your service supervisor can run. And and then the other thing that they do on top of that is what they'll do then, so they've got their, their lackey who's running, yeah, we want them to win. What they then do is they go around to all the other workers, especially the young ones, and they build them up and they say, oh, look, you would be really, really good in that. You should run. 
And so what that does is that person might run and they'll get a couple of their friends to vote for them. It dilutes the vote away from the workers, right? And 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 and, and the the bosses lackey gets in, and that mm. and that's what we've been finding, you know. So. So they don't have preferential voting in this, then it's one um, well first past the post. Yeah, well, that, that's that's um, part of the election process when you're working that out with the workers. How they, I told you they'll 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 organise a meeting without the 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 you know say the union members there. Because that's meant to be decided by the workers. Ah, okay. The workers are meant to be to decide how and when and why and all that. It's supposed to be decided, you know, by the workers, preferential or a ballot or emails or, or or an online vote or any. It's meant to be decided by the workers, you know. And, um, yeah, the condition. So what, what the, the system of it as well, you know, whether that be um, ballot in the box in the team room and, you know. Um, but the thing is, um, you know, like uh, for, for the ones that I'm working on, I want to be make sure that, that, that either uh, us or the workers can keep an eye on it to make sure that it's, you know, that it's good, you know, uh, and that it, that it isn't uh, corrupted by the bosses, you know. Another thing that I, I wanted to mention in this space in regards to how they avoid getting workers' representative, another thing that they'll do is they'll, they'll form their own safety committee and they go, oh, we've got this fantastic safety committee do you want to be a part of it you know and and then they say that, oh yeah that's that's how that's how uh you know safety that's how uh, health and safety is all looked under after that no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> because the bosses the, the workers have no rights you know with with putting in a hsr and and, and you can see the 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 thing with uh, the the woolies and and the meat workers you know well, in in times of crisis, we, we can go to the bosses and say, "Hey, look, what you're doing isn't good enough. Fix it. Here's notice." Yeah, well, if anyone needs a HSR, I think now is really the time. <laughs> that's exactly right, and it's been been highlighted, uh, you know, by by recent events. And uh, yeah, as I said, uh, I've been living and breathing this for the last three months or so. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we had a story about CFMEU union officials being brutally attacked. Uh, do HSRs often fight, face these kinds of risks in their workforce? Well, yeah, they would in in, in those uh, types of industries. Yeah, they would, and uh, um, yeah, you, you'll have the heavies, you know, like, like the bosses' heavies, and and plus there's also repercussions, you know, like, uh, and we're envisaging. I, I, I've, I've told uh, we tell workers all the time that uh, if you're casual, maybe maybe a HSR role's not for you. Because if you're casual <laughs> and you, you get yeah. elected to HSR... It's going to take you hours. You're not going to be working there for very much longer, you know. So that's... Um, yeah, so so there are... Um, uh, you know, and, and we, we see the uh, worst of it, yeah, definitely in the CFMEU, you know, and uh, how the, these bosses have, uh, have been um, emboldened by the ABCC. And and um, from from what I'm hearing, the, they're not, uh, get, even from WorkSafe, they're not, uh, it's not up to their standards anyhow, you know. Where within retail and fast food, we're like, Let's get one in there. We'll worry about standards later. We, you know, we we just haven't got any in there at all. You know, um, so yeah. Hopefully, we'll we'll have one very very soon. 
Well, can you give us some um, examples of high profile uh, of some high profile examples of when a HSR has protected workers? Well, I had a look around and I, I couldn't find too many, but I, I just wanted to refer back to these two cases that we're talking about. It's they're perfect examples of workers saying, "No, we're closing it down. We're going home until you till till you fix this, or WorkSafe tell us to go back." That's that, that's basically what. Has, has has happening at both these sites at the moment to either do as we say or get work safe mm. to tell us to go back to work and then you've got to make work safe happy and and, and the like you know um, from what I hear it could be potluck with uh, with with your work work safe adjudicator um, some are more work uh, you know focused than others so um, yeah and uh, have you got any examples from your own work in the area? Well, uh, the the example that I would put in here is is, is from my old store. The, the the building used to leak. Oh, it used to <laughs> leak when it rained, and they'd put up signs. Uh, you know, slippery when wet signs. You know, a couple of couple of buckets. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a supermarket store, not a Bon Jovi record, for God's sakes. You know, it's a it, the, the, fix it, get it dry. They've got people walking around. They've got workers there, and they put up signs to make everything all right. Well, you know, that's that's the the, the big story that I use when I'm talking to Coles workers because because that's from my own personal experience. You know, and I I'd walk away from from these by just shaking my hair going. And back then I didn't know what I know now. And uh, if I had known then, I would have said right, would have handed them the notice there and then. Here we go. I want a health and safety representative in my workplace. So uh, to, to kind of uh, sum up and finish off, uh, the, the, I think the main thing is is that you you need you need the, a group of workers. That's the main thing that we do. You, you need more than one. We always say that because you've got to support each other. You know. Yeah, there's just one worker. They're more likely to get targeted. That's right. So you get a group of workers, and and then you you, you all work at it together. Probably best to contact join contact your union and say, hey, can you help us out getting an HSR officer? That's the way to go about it. I, I, I would say the majority of unions, uh, union organisers, will be thankful to hear from you because you, that's a real easy. Well, it's not. It's not easy. It's a real um, powerful uh, way to to um, uh, get workers' rights. You know. So uh, yeah, I, I hope uh, you know. Work, um, you know those workers who haven't heard of HSRs that are listening out there now have. And if you don't know where the HSR is, same as if you don't know who your union delegate is, what, what kind you'll of, find them in the mirror. Sorry, Conrad. <laughs> I'm just wondering what kind of workplaces in particular um, should think about getting a HSR or would need one? All, All workplaces. All workplaces. All workplaces, whether it be an office, whether it be, you know, a construction site and uh, the COVID has highlighted why 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 every workplace even an office you know like I, I during my training um, we, we had a presentation from WorkSafe and uh, their uh, the majority of their work at that particular time was dealing with lifts lifts you could imagine, you know, with COVID, and when you've got these high-rise buildings 
and you, you, I am working up 20 flights of stairs. I'll give you yeah. the drum. But then again, I'm not getting in the lift with a couple of strangers either. So, they've, they've, you know, the way they've done that and if there's a, if there's a HSR or a, or a responsible boss in place, you know, they put these things in practice and, and, and work safe. Come in and you check it out. Some of them, it's the actual building that have to um, work with work safe and, 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 and the like. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I stand by the first. Uh, of course, some are more hazardous than others. And, and I think that's kind of what you were looking for, you know, your, your electrical things and stuff like that. Definitely, you know. But uh, I think the real answer to the question is, all workplaces need a health and safety representative um, from the working group. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. That's the answer I was looking for. So Ooh. no matter where you work, get onto your union and get a HSR put in place, especially at the moment with this pandemic putting so many workers at danger. Right, we've got a couple of stories to get through. We, we, uh, uh, we've got one on uh, workers' comp and QBE, I, I think, coming up next. Uh, yeah, so an investigation into the handling of workers' compensation claims by one of the country's biggest insurers, QBE, has given disturbing insight into practices including altered evidence, doctor shopping and missing files. Mr Fitzpatrick spent a decade working as a prison guard at Silverwater. Mr. Fitzpatrick and two of his college colleagues lodged a claim of bullying and harassment by their employer, Corrective Services New South Wales. A series of doctors agreed Mr. Fitz, Fitzpatrick had suffered a work-related psychological injury. Unbeknownst to him at the time, his employer had instructed the insurer to, deny, to decline the claims. An investigation by consulting giant KPMG assessed the conduct of QBE and corrective services in relation to the handling of the three guards' compensation claims. After a QBE insider alleged the insurer and department had colluded to deny the claims. The KPMG draft report cites a disturbing conversation in which Corrective Services urges QBE to reject a claim so that the prison guard is left short of money and has to return to work due to financial hardship. Corrective Services told QBE, sometimes it's cruel to be kind and hit them in the pocket. Shame. And when he's not getting any money and he's married with kids and most probably his own home, he's probably got to think, well, F's sake, I've got to do this. QBE replied, yeah, I think he's close to that now. Grubs. Yeah, pack of grubs. <laughs> the initial report commissioned by iCare is reported to have been watered down and altered form of the initial draft. In the final report, a number of recommendations and findings were removed along with the conversation outlining the plan to deny the claim. The Workers' Compensation Regulator, SIRA, has compensated its own has commissioned its own investigation. Mr Fitzpatrick is now receiving workers' compensation and is seeking damages in the New South Wales District Court. Yeah, this looks like it might just be the, you know, the very top of a much deeper story. Definitely. And uh, workers down in uh, New South Wales and, and other parts of the country, for that matter, have uh, they've had their rights stripped of workers' comp. And uh, it, it, for New South Wales, because... I, I, I was uh, part of it at the time. It was back, dating back to Bob Carr. 
when he was Premier of New South Wales, Labor Premier of New South Wales. And what he did is he got rid of uh, lump sum um, payouts. Now, you don't have lump sum payouts in New South Wales and Victoria, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the only damages that, that, that where it was mentioned damages, it'll be the damages in relation to their conduct. Mm. Nothing to do with, with his injury and, 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 and how it's affected his life. You don't get any lump sum payments. You don't get any... Um, there's nothing uh, in regards to what's that, where, where you get lost, or you, 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 where you can claim a loss of and, and suffering yeah. and all that type of stuff. No, there's none of that down in New South Wales. And what happens is they, they've got these draconian measures where you, you get... Um, 75% of your income for, for let, let's say, uh, at a, as a guess, a year, right? And then after that, it goes down to 50% for a year or two. And then it goes down further. And um, I, I went back to, in the early noughties, I was working, I, I was doing mail sorting. That's what I did. I was in the mail, mail industry. And I just went and worked... Uh, a few months uh, uh, for a, a freight company just sorting their freight, and uh, they had this uh, gentleman who who was he was in his fifties then. I was I was in my twenties, and um, what what happened was he was a, a panel beater, and he uh, he he used to work Saturdays, and back then he was earning fifteen hundred bucks a week as a tradesman and stuff like that. But what happens is, uh, remember how I said seventy five percent. Of the award wage, uh. of the award wage. So he's, he, he was a guy who was earning fifteen hundred bucks a week. He got he got crushed by a car, right? Crushed by a car. He couldn't couldn't lift over over two kilos. So he was sorting mail with me. You know, I was teaching him how to do it. And uh, yeah, yeah, he, he he was down to less than five hundred bucks a week. Godness me. You know, and that's, you know, that that's the dire consequences people are left in. And on top of that, you've got these grubs that are just making it incredibly difficult to even get the, that. To get that meagre amount. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I so. Mean, I don't have much sympathy for prison guards, but, like, this sort of behaviour by the biggest um, insurance provider is, like, like, like the sort of intentional deprivation of, like, what people need to live to force them back to work it's like shocking almost but also not that shocking because mm. like this is what you expect from businesses to be honest well hopefully this investigation goes nice and deep we can only hope and and uh i i, I would say we now uh, i think we, we it may it may uh help us out to uh get get them back on again but we had our um comrades from sharker lawyers on Geez, that was about six, seven, eight months ago. Now we had them on and talking about about what what you should do. Um, so from memory and and from experience, um, if you injure yourself at work, try and do an incident report. Always try and do an incident report. You know, keep it simple. But contact your union and and our, our, us as a union, we'll, we'll put you in touch with uh, lawyers. They're the experts. That's what we do. We we don't. We don't delve too much in the legal side of things. We help on the, the back end on the return to work, negotiating return to works. But all that complicated thing that is the workers' compensation industry, 
you know, we have enough trouble with the industrial relations industry, you know, that, that the law side of that. Um, we get the experts in the workers' comp. So, so uh, the advice would be, of course, contact your union, but you can get, get in contact. There's so many no-win, no-fee uh, uh, unions out there, uh, lawyers out there, um, and if you hurt yourself, call them. Righto. Um, well, uh, that, that, that's it for workers' action. We, we did quite well. I thought we were running a little bit behind. Got one more. We've got one more. Oh, let's go. Go, go, go. Um, as of August 2nd, all aged care facilities across Brisbane, oh. Ipswich, Logan, Redland, Gold Coast and the Scenic Rim are affected by the lockdown. According to Chief Health Officer, the lockdown means the affected facilities are closed to non-essential visitors. The affected facilities have been have enhanced screening of staff, including temperature checks, and staff should not work across multiple facilities where this is not practical practicable. It should be minimized and additional precautionary measures put in place, including maintaining staff records and increased personal protective equipment. Currently in Victoria, aged care staff who are prevented from working at another aged care facility or who have to self-isolate for reasons regarding COVID-19 are being financially compensated by the Victorian and federal governments. The QNMU is strongly advocating to senior levels of the Queensland and federal governments that similar arrangements be implemented in Queensland. No nurse or carer should be left worse off. If you are turned away from your workplace for any reason, you should ask your manager what they want you to do and if you will be paid for whatever you are told to do. If they are directing you to cease work, request that they put this direction in writing. If you are told or you suspect you you won't be paid, contact the QNMU. All aged care facilities should be prepared for a potential outbreak. The best way to protect yourself and others is to ensure you have the right PPE and you, that you know how to use it correctly. While on this topic, we would like to note that as of last Tuesday, of the 769 cases of COVID-19 in nursing homes in Victoria, only five were in public sector aged care. The reason for this is that there are no minimum mandated staffing levels or ratios in private care. All right, it's uh, our CFMEU comrades are back into the <laughs> in, into the thing next door again. Uh, for those that don't know, they the the building next door have been working, and our CFMEU comrades are, are being uh, drilling the wall today. Um, that was a bit of a fright. That one that, that, did, that did fright me. I thought the panel was about to blow up. <laughs> Right, uh, we got through through that just. Uh, and, and look, uh, uh, oh, just a quick note. Good, good on the, for those that are doing the right thing. Good on them. And uh, by the looks of it, it's the it's the government, you know, the state control ones that are doing doing the right thing. Um, a shout out to uh, that Pinjara Hills uh, uh, place. I heard that they were the the one that uh, the, they suspected that the worker was uh, uh, went in there. Um, but uh, they did very well. They locked things down. They cleaned it up. They tested everyone. Um, I, I think just as a, as a quick note to finish, I, I think as uh, Queenslanders, we we could probably give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back for going down back down to zero cases. Let's we did not fr- jinx ourselves or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, yeah, let's keep up the good work. Yeah, yeah. We are doing well. We're going to jump into some international workers' action now. Yes, so we've 
first got some news from Turkey or areas near Turkey uh, from AMW English. The People's Defense Forces, HPG, carried out an operation against the Turkish Occupation Army in Katojerka of Cernax, killing four Turkish soldiers. HPG forces stationed in the Kato region in the Kurdistan state of Shernax on the 29th of July targeted a unit of the Turkish Occupation Army which was wandering in the region as part of the Turkish Occupation campaigns on the positions of the Kurdistan People's Defense Forces. HPG forces were following up the movements of the Turkish unit until it fell in their ambush, which resulted in breaking out clashes between the two sides, killing four Turkish soldiers and wounding another. The Turkish occupation forces launched a military campaign on the 13th of last June in Gabar region in the Kurdish state of Shernax, and the Turkish occupation forces targeted the area with intense airstrikes. They also carried out landing operations with Skorsky aircrafts. On the 30th of last June, the Turkish occupation forces targeted sites in the Avashan region with Obus and Mortar cannons, and the shelling led to the breaking out of fires in the forests surrounding the region. Yes, so solidarity uh, with uh, the People's Defence Forces. Oh, yeah, the fascist Turkish state has been like doing a lot of. Uh, killing a lot of people over there and like forcing people off their land and all that it's a pretty big deal but now we've got some more st- another story from amw english this time from the u.s not uh strictly related to blm this time it's uh f- due to covid um since the beginning of the since the beginning on July 4th <coughs> around 141 prisoners and counting have engaged in a rolling hunger strike in restricted housing at the Ored unit in Iowa Park Texas the strike appears to be well organized and large and the group of strikers calling themselves team 1 has released a 13-point program that addresses a whole range of issues, from immediate immediate improvement of conditions like food trays, TV on restricted housing, and educational opportunities, as well as broad as well as broader changes dealing with parole eligibility policies across Texas, payment for prison labor, and the retaliatory and racist profiling of prisoners being assigned STG or gang status from a participant in this hunger strike. Let me bring you up to speed. So on July 1st, the head warden, Jimmy Smith, called out, called out one of the influential soldiers. He attempted to negotiate, yet was told, we're gonna do what we're gonna do on July 4th. Our price to quit is to see TVs and phones in our living area. Until then, we strike. We had about 141 people at the start, yet these numbers don't tell the full story because I'm coordinating the comrades in intervals slash waves. Much like a sports team with starters and reserves, the next day after the comrades convo with the warden, all the phones on the unit cease to work. This includes general population, so you see that the pig power structure wished to stop the word from getting out. 
Since early July, the administration at All Red Unit has also retaliated by taking away prisoners' commissary inspecting cells, denying strikers their own property until they come off strike, and shutting the water off to individual prisoners who have flooded their cell in protest. Yeah, good on them. Yeah, they're workers too. You know, we yeah. still work, and then, yeah, you look at the U.S. Uh, justice. Uh, you know, every second uh, person's locked up. Yeah, now, yeah. Well, there. you, you know, there's terrible statistics in their jails over there just for pot per, um, possession. Because if you get done three times with pot possession, there's a mandatory sentence. I think it go, dates back to you know Ronald Reagan's war on drugs and crap like that. You know. And doesn't the US have something insane like half the world's prison population? Yeah, uh-huh. well, they have the highest prison population in the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's half, but it's like some huge percentage. Oh, of out of the, the world. whole world. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> That's a lot of people. Yeah, you think they might have changed the, the whole pot thing with, like, the legalisation of it over there, but they haven't. Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, they may have changed it. Sorry, I'm a bit outdated. I know there are some <laughs> states where it's legalised, but there are, of course, still all the other drugs, such as, like, the opioid crisis, where, like, they get hooked on drugs that are prescribed to them at first, and then they uh, gain a dependence and they can't really stop, which is... Which is not a crime crisis. These aren't criminals who are getting hooked on opioids and stuff. It's a health crisis. They have been affected. Their health has been affected and they need medical treatment. They don't need to be locked up. Yeah, well, uh, you, you comrades have surely heard about the, um, the, 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 the test they did with rats, you know, like they offered them drugs... Um, and if their uh, cage was really, really boring, they took the drugs. But if they had a cage with lots of stimulus and whatnot, they didn't do the drugs. So it's, uh, you know, as you know, a reflection of our society. People are escaping. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it was just, like, stimulus. It was also, like, social connections. Yeah. Yeah, like, the community is the biggest, um, well, the, the most beneficial thing in general. <laughs> like, just community will help you with so much things in life. Yeah, well, we need that connection with each other, don't we? Like, it's deeply embedded in us, and with poverty especially, it cuts you off from your community, and people look for these other outlets, such as drugs and alcohol, to yeah, feel and good. like, all this um, individualisation, which has been driven by capitalism, is, yep. like, a huge part of the health crisis and the drug crisis that we see today yeah that's why community is so important and looking after each other and now now it's not just texas that that this is happening you got another story from alabama prisoners are Uh, starting a hunger strike yeah so this one's a lot more recent on july 29th anarchist prisoner michael kimball fellow prisoner brandon odin and several others began a hunger strike from all foods other than water in protest of the inept mishandling of the COVID-19 crisis at Easterling Correctional Facility. Issues include the lack of outside exercise, despite an hour of such time being mandated by the law, the lack of access to the law library, the lack of clean and fresh water, and the lack of access to healthy foods and fruit. Uh, and the lack of proper testing and quarantining of prisoners, the lack of proper disinfection, and the administration's refusal to release vulnerable prisoners being held at Easterling. Additionally, prisoners are demanding adequate medical treatment for prisoners Daniel Wilson, 
who has broken who has a broken arm that has gone untreated and for 86 year old prisoner michael mayola who has back and other health issues that have been neglected by prison staff yeah yeah it's a it's a yeah, yeah. They're still workers. I just want to highlight they're still workers, you know. And yeah, and especially in America where, like, slavery <coughs> is legal for you know, your yeah. enslaving prisoners. I was actually going to mention the fact that, you know, you hear of the license plate, the rego plates over there are made by prisoners. They, they have... Well, it's the new slavery. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they have these little slave industries, you know, going on over there, you know, so... Uh, um, yep, it's good to see uh, anarchists and uh, activists alike uh, standing up and fighting back. Uh, we're going to quickly talk about some events that are coming up in the next week. Uh, firstly, we have criminalised wage theft. That's on Monday, August 10th at 9am to 10am. That's happening at the Parliament of Queensland and everyone's meeting outside Parliament House on the QUT site. And this Saturday we have a big event at 12am. We have the mass sit-in on the Story Bridge. Uh, that's meeting at Raymond Park. So that's in solidarity of the uh, refugees being held at Kangaroo Point. So that's a, definitely a good one to get along to. Or they both are, really, aren't they? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss the one on... I'm going to miss the Story Bridge action, but... I think I really want to get to that criminalised wage theft thing because it's in Parliament at the moment. And um, yeah, uh, 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 Alexis from um, uh, Pineapple Rebellion did a, a fantastic story on that uh, and, and interviewed uh, Josh Cullinan from the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. You can find that on uh, that episode and all episodes of all shows on uh, the 4ZZZ website at 4ZZZ.org.au. Well, a bit of report. We're quickly running out of time, so I better let everyone know who the scallywag of the week is. Right, low-wage migrant spotless laundry workers in Dandenong took a stand for public and community health after one of their co-workers tested positive for COVID-19. They stayed home because they were fearful of, of the safety risk of contracting COVID-19 at work. Spotless laundry workers handle COVID linen from healthcare provided and as such, the condition of their health can affect others. Instead of managing the health risks, Spotless took the workforce to the Fair Work Commission as more co-workers tested positive. After workers took action, the Department of Health and Human Services ordered the closing of the facility on Friday 31st of July and that all workers be tested for COVID-19. Spotless has yet to make a decision about paying their workers pandemic leave while they are in enforced quarantine to prevent the spread of the virus. Spotless workers did the right thing by the community and now Spotless refuses to do the right thing by the workers. Grabs. United Workers Union is asking fellow workers to sign and share the, their petition, which can be found on their Facebook page. For this... Peter Tompkins, CEO of of Spotless, is our scallywag of the week. Now, I also wanted to mention that where, when we were doing our research, I found a photo of him. What a, and I I, I want to I, I even looked up to check that I'm allowed to say this, you know, for <laughs> libel, and I am, so I will. 
He is a privileged looking little prat. <laughs> if you've ever wanted, if you've ever seen someone that you'd want to smack around from the ruling class, this is the one, you know. Oh, what Absolute a grub. What a grub. And he is our scallywag of the week. Yeah. Right, oh, well, that's our show. We did it. Yeah. We, we did, did it. it. That was a good show. A bit of variety. Uh, um, good, some good in-depth analysis on on HSR. I hope uh, um, workers, uh, uh, comrades listening at home, uh, um, you know, got something out of that and are, are busily calling their union to work out how they can get a HSR in their workplace. So yeah, uh, that was great. Come on, I definitely learned a few things. Right. So well, um, yeah. Well, that, that'll be about it, it from us. Uh, ha- have we we got another minute or? So? So, well, uh, that's that's a perfect timing for us to mention. Next week, we're going to be all Radiothon, Radiothon, Radiothon. Now, because I missed a, a, a 1975 uh, track this week, I, I'll put it on my agenda to find two for next week <laughs> to celebrate for Triple Z's birthday. Um, we all get, you know, we're comrades. We're all solidarity here, so... Um, we all want to be part of 4ZZZ and Radiothon is the perfect time to do it. So be sure to tune in next week. Stick around now. We've got uh, Max's back in the, in the seat for uh, Brisbane Lines and uh, I'm sure he's going to uh, be uh, uh, presenting something informative again. So stick around for that and uh, we will see you next Tuesday. See you next week, comrades. Good Things in Strange Times is a 4ZZZ community directory full of frequently updated support for local businesses, initiatives and you. If you're looking for creative, practical ways to keep connected to your community, show your support for your favourite small businesses or are seeking services and advice during these strange times, take a look through our ever-growing online directory. There, you'll find everything from fresh local produce providers and book merchants who'll safely deliver right to your door. Online Skillshare groups where you can find or offer help and useful resources for anyone feeling vulnerable or unsure in these strange times. We're updating the directory regularly and we want to include your recommendations too. Email them to dominique at 4ZZZ.org.au or you can access the resource and submit recommendations directly at 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash good things. The Good Things in Strange Times Community Directory is just another way 4ZZZ is connecting and amplifying the voices of our community.